This is the Careers in Review podcast. We'll show you how to navigate the job market and career space like a pro. Starting now, here is your host, Ediana Rosen. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Careers in Review. I am your host, Ediana Rosen, and today I have an amazing guest here with me, Niatu Bensi Enchel. I'm so excited to have him on the podcast. I've been a, such a huge fan of his content on LinkedIn for such a while, and I reached out, Ben Girling, <laughs> and he said yes <laughs> to be on the podcast. He is a holistic career coach for professionals of color. He holds a master's degree in mental health counseling, which informs his holistic approach. He was named as 2022 LinkedIn Top Voice in Search and Careers. He has over 12 years of experience in career development, including five years as a senior career advisor at Ivy Exec, where he provided guidance to over 5,000 global clients from mid-career to C-suite professionals. Niatu earned his BA in psychology from Hamilton College and a Master's of Arts and Education degrees in Psychological Counseling from Columbia University. What an amazing background. (laughs) Thank you so much. Yeah, just so impressive. And nobody would blame me from (laughs) fangirling over your background and everything that you have to say and post on LinkedIn. So I know that I just went through all of your background, but why don't you just go ahead and tell us a little bit about you and tell us your career trajectory and story. Uh, sure. I mean, right now, I could say my most salient roles are being a husband and a father. I've got two kids, an 11-year-old and a one-year-old who just turned one last Saturday. And uh, aside from that, my other most salient role is being career coach. And my career trajectory has been a pretty interesting journey where everything I've done has always been in and around helping people, but I never anticipated being a coach in private practice. That was not the plan. And we'll get into more of that a little bit later. But like many psychology majors in undergrad, I had no idea what I was going to do with that degree. I stumbled into human resources, which I think is a pretty conventional first stop for uh, psychology undergrad majors. And I was uh, in finance on Wall Street, uh, working in learning development. And that was my first job out of college with no prior knowledge or desire to be on Wall Street. But through the magic of networking and a bit of luck, that's what my first job ended up being. After that, I ended up in executive search. Uh, I worked for a firm in Boston that supported nonprofit and higher ed clients. And so I was part, I was an associate building candidate pool. So I got to dabble a little bit in uh, recruitment for uh, about a year and a half. During my first couple of roles out of college, I realized that my heart wasn't fully in the work that I was doing. I always felt a desire to have more of a one-on-one impact, which is what led me to go back to grad school for my degree uh, to get a master's in mental health counseling. And so for me, I was trying to fulfill a long-held dream of becoming a therapist. And so that's where the graduate school degree came in. But as life would have it, I learned that as a starting mm-hmm. graduate counselor, you make maybe 40 And so we can have a whole other conversation about, you know, which careers are compensated how, and how helping professionals should be much better compensated for the work that they do. However, you know, with my student loans to afford grad school, I was almost priced out 
from becoming the profession that I intended, but I stumbled upon the career development field in my coursework. I had to take a class on career development, and that led to my first uh, job out of grad school being in career services within the university setting. And that's really where I got my feet wet and got things started as far as being the career development space. I did internship during grad school, of course, at Baruch College um, in their career service center. And I developed this holistic approach between my program and my early experiences that I carried me today. I'm happy to go into more of that later, but that's sort of the genesis of my career in career development. And it's where 12 years later, I'm here, you know, continuing to make a way in the space. Wow. That's a very fascinating background. You know, that really just brings me into my first question about why career coaching? Because obviously you told us a little bit about your passion for mental health and wanting to become a therapist. And one of the main reasons was obviously not very well compensated career and many other reasons, right? Because money is not, it's not everything. But why career coaching? Because, you know, human resources, there are just many other avenues that you could have gone in that space. Why career coaching specifically? Sure. I would say that career coaching kind of happened to me. I didn't necessarily choose it. And another way to, to frame is that I'm an accidental entrepreneur in terms of having started this business. So when I, in my last full-time job, I worked at Ivy Exec, which you covered in my bio, and I was hired there as their full first full-time member-facing uh, career advisor providing that guidance to these mid to level executives. In that role, I was I had the opportunity to listen to and support individuals at various stages of their career to troubleshoot their challenges in the job search, in career advancement, in networking, and all the different moving parts that professionals have to deal with in trying to advance and find work that best aligns to them. The coolest part of that role was getting to speak to people literally all around the world. I could start my day with a phone call to someone in Japan and end my day talking to someone in California and everywhere in between. And so I was being a career coach in that role full time uh, for those four and a half years or so that I held that position. And that's what really taught me a lot of commonalities and similarities, what people face, regardless of how senior they are, the industry that they're in, or what their job function is. What led me to career coaching, as I said, is accidental. I had to leave that full-time job for personal reasons, um, for family reasons. And I was like, crap, what am I going to do? I need to pay the bills. And so I had this training for my uh, master's degree, my mental health counseling degree, I had four years of working with mid to senior executives all around the world. And I said, okay, well, I have this combined skill set. What can I do with it? Well, let me give it a shot, start my own private practice. I can do things my way in that I used to have a condensed 20-minute, very transactional call. And now I get to spend time with people, really support them, really get to know them and try and support them as a whole human being, not just a professional. And had the opportunity to inject the mental health piece, the emotional piece, those aspects of the job search that are often stripped out, making people feel like they've got to be a robot in their career advancement. And that's not life, that's not reality. And so I fell into coaching, but I chose to mold it after my viewpoint, my values, my perspective, and my training in order to support people as whole human beings and not just you know a, a position title and a function. Hmm. Absolutely. That's a great 
background for sure. And I, I can see now, because my next question was going to be the holistic piece, but you definitely cover that just um, in, in that part right there. And I do know that, you know, in the bio, we also cover that you specifically support professionals of color. Do you mind just telling us a little bit more about that and what kind of led you to that path of supporting that specific demographic of folks in your practice? Uh, sure. I mean, first, I'd say that that is identifies a black man. I'm also an immigrant. Uh, I'm Ghanaian. I'm African. <laughs> uh, so it's very much trying to be explicit about supporting people who look like me. If we look at the career development space, if you look at the selection of coaches on LinkedIn, for example, it is a very white space and there's nothing wrong with that per se, but that is the reality of the situation. And so being a black male in this space, there are very few people who, with my gender identity and my racial identity who are doing this work. And I think that it's important to be intentional about saying that you support people who look like you, who come from, you know, black and brown backgrounds, BIPOC, because we are underrepresented in this field. We face issues and challenges that the majority population do not face when navigating the job search. One of the things about working with a provider, whether it's therapy or any other provider, is not having to explain everything about your background or what you're thinking and feeling because that person has a sim, you know, not the same experiences, but potentially similar overlapping experiences and shared reference points. And there is, you can't put a price on having that type of support and having someone who can speak very directly to issues that you face in navigating the workplace. And that's why I was intentional about putting that verbiage in my headline on my website so that professionals of color know they have me as a support and an advocate and that they have a safe space to discuss some of the topics, the challenges and issues that we face in navigating the job search. Absolutely. And that takes us into the next conversation, the big elephant in the room that's going on right now in the job search. And as you probably have seen the headlines in the news and a lot of people just coming onto LinkedIn, the job search is um, experiencing a downturn as we speak with the job seekers and people looking for roles right now. Have you seen any type of trends specifically with the people that you support right now? And can you speak to that um, for your own experience, specifically for people that come from underrepresented backgrounds? Have you seen any type of trends that you can speak of at, at this time? I think that one of the challenges for professors of color is sorting through the reality versus the lip service, the BS when it comes to diversity statements and inclusive employers and is what they're saying reflective of the actual practices. And so for professors of color, we want to make sure that we're landing in a workspace where we're welcome and we're able to truly be ourselves. Of course, DI is the forefront or DIB is the forefront of the conversation, but some companies use it for marketing purposes. I recently came across on Instagram where companies are advertising with AI or virtual avatars that are of color, but that is not reflective of the actual makeup of their workforce or their leadership, right? Unreal. And so if we have to navigate AI trying to deceive us that a workplace we're trying to enter is more diverse than it really is, that's an added layer of complexity for us to dig through as professionals of color that a majority candidate wouldn't have to even think about because they're already represented in that company. 
So that's something that, you know, people are coming across is trying to dig through, is your DEI real or is your DEI for show? <laughs> it is, is certainly one issue. Taking a, a broader lens for things that might be cutting across more of the population looking for jobs is just having to go through increased rounds of interviews. I've had, uh, very, he's not a client, he's one of my best friends. <laughs> he had to go through eight rounds of interviews. Get this, for an internal job. What? Right? Yes. He already works there. He's a high achieving, you know, member of the organization. It's a large, you know, multinational company. And he has a, a you know, pretty senior director level position there. And <laughs> he's had to interview eight times for an internal opportunity. Unreal. Which is wild to me. Yeah. He already passed, you know, your screening test to become an employee there. Why do you have to put him through the ringer to get a job with the same company? I had another client interviewing for Netflix who went through 11 rounds of interviews uh, for a senior role. And you know, yeah, if, oh if people can see God. our podcast, your, your eyes are popping out of your head because <laughs> it's insane. And it feels like companies are trying to be so overly cautious with their hiring decisions, which one can understand and respect that you want to get it correct but I don't think it takes eight to 11 conversations with someone to figure out whether or not they're the right fit. And so I'd wonder what's happening with their internal screening practices. Is everyone on the same page in terms of how to interview properly? There's a lot going on there, but I think it kind of commoditizes the, the job seeker and makes them feel like they're just perpetually auditioning and nothing that they do is ever good enough. Um, and so that's another trend that I think is just disturbing, unfortunate that there are just increased barriers to entry, increased hoops to jump through for someone who is a worthy candidate that you wouldn't be talking to in the first place if they weren't. So why this level of testing and scrutiny? Absolutely. And something else that comes to mind with that, you know, companies that do this, that put people through the ringer just for a job, it makes me question their ability to make quick decisions. Or I guess something else that I want to get at is, they're so afraid of making a potential mistake that it makes me wonder what it would be like to be an employee of theirs. Like, are we not allowed to make mistakes while we are an employee of, of yours? Because you're so afraid of hiring the wrong candidate, quote unquote, that it takes A plus interviews or A plus people from your hiring committee to decide if this is the right person or not. It makes me question your judgment as a company, period. Yeah, no, it's a great point because we have to remember or remind our audience that they are evaluating the company just as much as the company is evaluating them. And how you are treated as a candidate, I think you should pay attention to it because it may be reflective of what it's like to work there. If communication is poor, if you feel like you're an afterthought uh, as they handle you and move you through the hiring process, if there is seems to be confusion or lack of clarity, those are not great signs of someone who is trying to that you're potentially going to work for. And granted, you know it is a process outside of the day to day that the company is doing, but. There are companies who have amazing hiring processes that make candidates feel valued. And even if they're not chosen, they still have a good experience and might even recommend friends to interview at that company. As a, as a provider, as you are, I'd want everyone who walks away from interacting with me, even if I don't win their business, to walk away feeling that they had a good conversation, that they felt helped and supported, and that they would, you know, I had people recommend me that didn't 
give me business. And so I think employers should have a similar outlook in terms of how they treat their job candidates because that is reflective of who you are and your brand. And so companies spend millions on their brand and they forget that how they treat candidates is part of that. Absolutely. 100%. That also takes me, you know, aside from the holistic approach that you embed within your coaching practice, you do also talk a lot about mental health. You know, considering that job searching is such a roller coaster of emotions for everybody involved, especially right now. I've heard so many things from people that I talk to on a daily basis on the DM and even people that comment on my social media. What is wrong with me? I've applied to hundreds of jobs. Nothing's working. I'm a terrible employee. I don't have anything to offer. And it starts to affect how you see yourself as a person, your, your confidence. So I do want to ask you as well, as somebody who does have a background in mental health, how do you think people can protect themselves from that in this, in this particular aspect and in this space, specifically when they're looking for a job? And the reason I want to make emphasis on this is because people that come from underrepresented backgrounds are already dealing with a lot of weight on their shoulders removing this aspect. But now that we have to put that on top of everything else that we have to carry, how do you deal with that? And how do you coach your clients through that aspect of this process? Sure. Um, So given that I am trained as a mental health counselor, I would be remiss if I didn't start with therapy. (laughs) I think that there are way more options for affordable therapy. I'm not going to pretend that finances can not sometimes be a barrier to getting that additional help. So I want to acknowledge that and recognize it can be a privilege to have a therapist that is real. However, having a therapist and having that space to talk through your challenges, I wrote an article about this, five ways that you know therapy can benefit your job search, but it's a safe space to process what's happening to you. As you said earlier in, in your uh, introduction of this question, that there's so much rejection in the job search process. You might find yourself questioning your value, your self-worth, your own capabilities that you know you have, and it's impacting how you function. And so therapy is a place to process that reality test, what's true, what's not true, work on coping strategies and mechanisms, and uncover some you know potentially underlying issues that might even be impacting your performance at the time. And so that's my first offer is therapy. If you can get access to it, please do then there's always self-care. And this is something that's accessible to all of us. And self-care is going to look different for you versus me. Um, I'm a huge football fan, for example. And so football, the world's football, or soccer as Americans would call it. (laughs) But, you know, just watching soccer on the weekends, I'm a Premier League fan. That is therapeutic to me, quite honestly. Um, I get joy from watching soccer. It's a sport I played. It's a sport I love. To going to the gym, to spending time with my family. Those are my versions of self-care that refuel me, re-energize me, give me a distraction that's a positive one. And so I would recommend people build that into routine in the best way that they can. And the reason why it's important is that it helps you to show up as your best self across your different roles. So for me, as I said, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a coach. If I don't take care of myself, I can't be available and show up in the way that I want to across those important roles in my life. When you're a job seeker, a role that you added to that list is being a job seeker. So you might be an employee or maybe you're between jobs. You have all these other things going on. Now you're a job seeker as well. And so in order to have the right energy where humans would pick up on vibes (laughs) across one another to 
I had a professor who had this concept of leaking. Her name is Dr. Annika Warren. And emotionally, we might have things be coming at that we're not even fully aware coming out, but it's because we're exhausted or other things are impacting us. Uh, a client I spoke to recently had been job searching for months with no luck. And telling his story was becoming a labor to him. And he didn't even feel convinced by what he was saying. But he wasn't doing anything to counteract that, to pour back into himself. And so he wasn't showing up as his best self on networking calls, interviews, and all of that. And so if you're able to find those restorative activities, practices, whether it's spiritual, whether it's, you know, I don't know, journaling, whatever makes sense to you, I would recommend making it part of what you do to build up those reserves internally, restore your value, restore those positive feelings about who you are, what you have to offer. And in addition, don't job search alone. I think that with any efforts that you make, if you feel like you're the only person carrying the load, it's that much heavier. And so studies have shown that if you form a small job search group and maybe one or two other people are also looking, you can share resources, best practices, tips, tricks, and they find opportunities faster and are more effective in the searches than individuals doing it alone. And so those three things together, therapy, self-care, not going it alone, uh, even setting boundaries. Uh, that's boundaries on your time, your energy, what you will and will not accept from an employer in a job search process. All those things can help to form a protective barrier and help you to restore and to heal. And again, be your best self in the job search process. Absolutely. Those are all great, amazing tips. Thank you for sharing that. Hey, career reviewer. I'm interrupting myself because I have something super exciting for you. I want to give you a free resume review. These usually go for $387. You can check out the link to book a regular call on the show notes. This offer is exclusive to my podcast listeners. And I do these reviews on IG and TikTok lives every week. All you have to do is leave an Apple or Spotify podcast review. Take a screenshot of that and send it over to careersinreview at gmail.com. That email is careersinreview at gmail.com. In that email, you want to go ahead and attach that resume that you want me to review. Be sure to remove any personal identifiable information and give you permission to review that on a live. And I will give you all the personalized tips on how to make that resume better so that you can apply for the job you want. If you can make the live on the scheduled time, do not worry because I'm going to go ahead and send you the replay. Now, back to the show. You know, that also takes us into this one question that I think is really important and not as covered as much in the world of career coaching is, um, and something that really attracted me to the content that you cover, is the holistic career coaching approach that you take. Because I think it's really unique. And that's essentially what kind of keeps me attached to a lot of the content that you cover. Can you just walk us through what the process is like and what exactly that means to you and, and how it helps your, your clients specifically um, on the job search? Sure. No, that's a great question. My, my perspective is really about trying to merge the personal and professional, which I think have been artificially separated when it comes to the job search and career development. When I go to work or when you go to work, we don't stop being the person that we are outside of work. That person still remains. And when we go home, that professional, you know, in certain ways comes with us. And we can't pretend that they are divorced, <laughs> for lack of a better word. And so in my perspective, it's trying to make space for 
emotions, for mental health, and very critically, our identities, which impact how we navigate through the world, how we show up, and how we're treated when we show up. And so it's trying to be, to honor and be intentional, explicit about involving those elements of who we are as whole human beings in the job search and career development process. So for example, someone who is a first-generation college student or first-generation American or immigrant, there are certain aspects of those identities that show up in their psyche. Am I good enough? Um, What job should I go for? My immigrant parents want me to be a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer because that's what makes the most money. But I'm an artist (laughs) at heart, right? Um, So we have these drivers, these motivators that come from a culture background. So, And then culture, how we show up and how do we talk about our achievements? Have we been taught our entire lives to be very humble and not brag about ourselves? And how does that work when the entire point of the job search is to literally brag and self-promote in order to get a job? That might be, you know, culturally incompatible for some of us. And so how do we address that directly in the job search and career development process? Getting noticed for promotion. If you're not good at self-promotion, it's hard to get that promotion internally. And so our gender and all these other identities can factor into how we navigate the game, the process of finding work and advancing at work. And so the holistic perspective is recognizing those things and trying to account for them in helping my clients find authentic ways to approach these issues (laughs) without feeling like they're losing themselves in the process or compromising who they are too much. It is about bringing in your values, your priorities as well in how you choose what your next employer is going to be. So I really emphasize values in a job search. Do you value security? Do you value honesty and integrity in the workplace? Do you value adventure and risk? Uh, We have all sorts of values, but having clarity on them can help us find alignment in our work and with an employer who either embodies those values directly or the very least supports the values that we have and allows us to function freely with those values. And when we're not in alignment with a company values-wise, it's not a good fit and you won't last long there. And I want my clients to find satisfaction and alignment in their ultimate destination in the job search. And so the holistic approach is trying to account for all these different things that make us human and make us who we are. And instead of simply typing in a job title into a job board and getting thousands of results, it's about taking a step back and looking internally first to build up your own criteria, your own compass, your own direction, and be clear about what those things are very explicitly. And then you can go out into the real world and find things that align as closely as possible to things that you want. And that's where the intersection of happiness and success come in because there's alignment there. And that is the holistic approach that I like to take with my clients, explore these things, discuss them, make them operationalize them, make them feel real, and then go out there in a strategic way to look for opportunities that match and then to tell your story as a whole person and the impact and the value that you bring because of who you are as a unique individual. Absolutely. You know, I was like nodding along a lot in the beginning because I'm many of those identities, right? Like I'm first-gen college student. I am an immigrant and I'm also coming from a background where it's extremely impolite and very frowned upon specifically with my parents to talk about anything that you've accomplished. And so... hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, you're right. Like I'm nodding along yeah. here because 
When I came to the United States, it was extremely foreign to me when people used to talk about like the things that they've done, even like getting good grades at school. My parents used to be like, oh, what do you want, a cookie? Like you're doing what you're supposed to do. Like you're going to school. Exactly. You need to get good grades. <laughs> like I'm not going to praise you yeah. for doing what you're supposed to be doing. So this is why I love the approach that you take with career coaching, because there's just so many of us out there who feel out of alignment and we just don't know why. Because we come from places and backgrounds that that's just what's ingrained in us. And that's just the norm every day, right? Like, and we don't speak that way. Our parents don't raise us that way. So now coming into the corporate space in America, where that's normal for people to brag about and even write it in the resume, like I did this and I did that. It's like, it feels icky. It feels so, mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> it feels so, so yeah. out of touch. And it's like, well, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging. I don't want to sound like I'm being out of touch with reality by just talking about the things that I've done when I knew that I did it with like a team or even for women too. Like women do that a lot. They take away from the accomplishments that they have done and they tend to use the word we a lot more because I've noticed that. We instead of I. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like as a recruiter, I've noticed that a ton. Like most of the females come in and they say, well, we did this and we did that as opposed to men. And even people that come from underrepresented backgrounds in general, like I can sense that just because we come from communities we're not as individualistic, right? So Yeah, collectivist. Exactly, exactly it. So I just love that you were able to bring that up and that we can talk about that because as I was searching for some topics, I just have not been able to see a lot of podcasts or career topics being talked about this because it's like people talk about like, bring your whole self to work, bring everything to work, but they don't really touch on that topic of like what that really means and how to unpack that, of like how to really do it in a way that makes sense for you without sacrificing your values. Yeah, no, it's it's such a deep topic, but it's so important to explore because if a workplace is truly looking to be inclusive, they have to understand what they need to include <laughs> and what it looks like. And so you have to have direct and explicit conversations to understand you know, why someone who is Sikh, for example, and, you know, wears their turban, all these things, why they need to do that and what that represents for the culture and the meaning behind it so that you can be respectful and understand and celebrate that particular identity and way of being in addition to your own. That was obviously a very random example, but there's so many of us who, when we show up in the workplace, we have to compromise who we are. We have to wear masks. We have to try and speak differently or act differently. We we code switch all these different things just to fit into this majority culture where this is supposedly a melting pot, but we're not really being allowed to melt together. You know, what's up with that? Um, So, you know, it's really trying to, I want to empower people who look like us, who have international, you know, immigrant backgrounds, who are underrepresented to step into valuing and honoring who they are, not feeling they have to compromise or sacrifice it and trying to find environments that will value who they are and the addition they make to the company, the culture and all of that because of what they represent and not in spite of it. And and that's what I hope, you know, becomes the norm. And I want it to be a core part of the career conversation because we're, we're human and we're diverse and we're amazing and that needs to be celebrated absolutely i love that thank you so much for sharing that perspective i think it's going to resonate with that with a lot of people specifically the audience that i serve this podcast to 
You know, I'm very curious because I've been following your content since I think late 2019. And I came across this one blog post that you did. And there was this one quote on it. You are only as good as the good you do for others. And it was so tied into the one last tip that you gave, you know, build a community and give resources to others and the same will happen to you. Just ties so well with what I just said in the quote that was in one of those blog posts that you did. Do you mind just telling me a little bit about that? Because you mentioned right next to that, that's something that you have in your email signature that talks very well to how you, that's kind of a part of your mantra and how you walk about in your life. Can you talk to me a little bit about that and, and give us some background as of how that came about and, and why is it so important to you to use that quote as part of your, uh, your holistic approach when it comes to building relationships? Sure. I wish I could remember where and how I came across it, which would make the story maybe richer somehow, but I don't. I'll be very honest. But as soon as I saw it, I think it struck a chord with me because it really embodies a core value of mine. I, I was certainly raised to be uh, helpful, uh, you know, within my family and to others. Being West African, I come from more of a collectivist culture, which you may, you know, recognize, uh, being Latina, you know, as well. And it is something that I think is just reflective of the idea that we can't go through life alone. If we live in an isolated way, it's it's not only is it lonely, but we will never accomplish everything that we want to accomplish. Uh, me sitting here right now with you on this podcast is through relationship. And hopefully this is a mutual support that we're doing, right? And I think that it's part of my brand ultimately. And I think of it as when you help someone, you're offering value of some sort. And we all have value to offer and we can share it through our help. We've got different knowledge, experiences, skill sets, perspectives that other people don't have. And by being willing and open to sharing those things, we are potentially enriching the lives of others, but we in return are being enriched through the act of supporting one another. And it's this self-perpetuating positive cycle that you know feeds into the work that I do and that I want my clients to walk away feeling heard, feeling seen, feeling understood, and feeling supported. And that's the good that I try to do. And, you know, the good that I'm doing from others is what allows me to feel good. I want to be judged by the good that I do. I want to be known as someone who's helpful, who is supportive, who is all those things, because I gain genuine satisfaction from helping someone. And so again, I, I know it can sound cleasier, uh, cheesy, sorry, I, I mix up cheesy and cliche to, to, to cleasy or something like that. But um, <laughs> it might sound cheesy or cliche. I love it. Love it, love it, love yeah. it. <laughs> um, but of course, I you know would love to make a million dollars a year. But you know, at the end of the day, if I know for a fact that someone I interacted with is better off for having spent, whether it's five minutes or five hours with me, that is my motivation. That is my why for what I do. It's so rewarding when someone has a mindset shift. They feel more confident. They feel more capable or able to pursue what they're looking for in this particular context in their career or their job advancement. That is such a powerful thing to be able to 
help someone attain. And I don't want to say give someone, right? I'm helping someone to attain it because I come from a strengths-based perspective through my training where I believe that my clients have the resources and the answers inside them. And my job is just to help them find them. And so I'm helping them attain that thing that's already inside them that they're simply reaching for. Absolutely. I love that. You know, that ties in very well with the next thing that I want to ask you, because I'm always super curious to hear this. What's your favorite success story from one of your clients? Hmm. That is a great question. I I guess I'll go with the one that's coming to mind first. (laughs) There's a woman, let's call her Eliana. And she was one of my earliest clients. So I started this business in 2019. And so this was one of my first great success stories that I had as as a baby coach. Um, (laughs) She is someone who was a writer and a journalist. She'd worked in the print media and digital media, you know, print newspapers, magazines, online publications. She'd worked in movies and television production, writing scripts and all sorts of things, a live storytelling, if you know whether it's like a TEDx or Moth Radio Hour, those type of uh, formats. And she was wanting to break into corporate communications. She wanted to take all the storytelling ability and apply it within a setting that she'd never been in before. The challenge for her was having worked in so many different environments. She as a storyteller was having difficulty telling her own story. And so it was wonderful to be able to partner with her to help refine the thread that connected all these different places and roles that she held and have her, a light bulb go off and for her to say, wow, everywhere I've been, I've been able to raise standards. I've you know improved processes. I've made things more efficient. I found new creative angles to tell stories that the, the others around me couldn't see. And that is what I've done everywhere that I've been. And so it was so amazing to help her kind of see and unlock that because she couldn't see herself. And then just the transformation in her confidence, in having this new narrative to tell in her job search. And about, I don't know, six to nine months later after working together, of course, the job search can take a while, but she landed a, a great job at one of the leading uh, cable internet providers in the corporate communications department doing exactly what she wanted to do. So that was one of my first experiences, you know, really supporting someone end to end, you know, going through, we, I helped, I rewrote her resume, we did her LinkedIn together, worked on networking job search strategy. So all the key touch points of helping someone go through a job search and to see her land, her intended target was absolutely amazing. And the main thing for me is the transformation from not knowing what her story was and what her value offer was to being crystal clear on what those things were and be able to use that to go out there and make an impact and land the job she's looking for. That's amazing. Well, thank you for sharing with us. That's a great yeah. story. <laughs> and I think that's something that a lot of job seekers struggle with, right? Like telling their story, especially those that have had a rich background of a lot of industries or a lot of different roles, and they just don't know how to tie it in together to tell that holistic storytelling. And it's so interesting that she was a storyteller and it was having issues of putting it all of that in one place. So I'm so happy to hear that you were able to help her do that and being able to really land the role that she really wanted. Yeah, no, it, was, it was great to be able to support her in that. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Niato, for coming to the podcast with me today and answering all of the questions and helping the job seekers that listen to the show. Tell us, how can we find out more about you and the services that you offer and how you can help people? 
Uh, certainly. So uh, as most career coaches do, I live on LinkedIn. Uh, admittedly, I'm not producing as much content as I used to, but all the stuff that you have you know, been a fan of uh, to date is there in the archives for folks to check out. Um, so my LinkedIn profile, then of course, my personal uh, business website, aveneercareers.com. Uh, that's where you can read more about my background, learn about my services and you know, schedule consultation for us to talk and then potentially work together. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure and a lot of fun. Likewise. From effective networking to landing job offers, this is the podcast for action takers ready to be the best they can be without any fear. This is the Careers in Review podcast. Make sure to never miss an episode of Careers in Review. Subscribe to our podcast newsletter. You will receive exclusive information about upcoming shows, transcripts, and information about our guests. For all resources mentioned, show notes, transcriptions, and more details regarding topics discussed in today's show, please visit the Careers in Review website, www.careersinreview.com slash podcast. You can also follow Careers in Review on all socials for more exclusive video content. Thank you for listening.